Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are going to shift gears a little just today. Usually on Wednesdays, we reflect on a, a recent sermon, but Roger, you have been teaching a class called How to Study the Bible. We are um, in uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays, the habit of reading from one of the Psalms. Today's Psalm is Psalm 11, and we figured that maybe plugging that simple text into what you've been teaching on Sunday mornings might be a good exercise for all of us here in the middle of the week. We're happy to do this. You know, we sometimes get the idea that you just pick up the Bible and you just read it like you might read a newspaper or how you might read uh, a biology textbook. And a lot of people just get lost. A lot of people get so confused and a lot of people just get discouraged. And so they close it and they come to the conclusion that it's just too difficult. It's too hard. But there's just some background information you need to know that helps you. And this is what we've been trying to do in our class, just trying to give people just some simple, practical things so when they look at a text of Scripture, they know what God's trying to say, and it will help them. We began our, our series by talking about that our Bible is essential to our faith. Uh, you cannot separate faith from the Bible. Uh, Romans 10, verse 17 is a passage that really emphasizes that. Paul, or the, the Lord told the apostles, including Paul, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Bible is the background and the bedrock of our faith. So if I'm going to believe, I've got to have that Bible in my life, and that's so essential. And so we began our little class on how to study the Bible by beginning with three simple points, observation, interpretation, and application. Observation is what do you see when you're reading the Bible? And then interpretation, what is it supposed to mean? And then application, what am I supposed to do with that? And from that, then, we start building layers and layers upon other things that we've talked about. Some of it is just simple things about how you read the Bible. You're going to read the Bible unlike any other book you've ever read before. I have shared with my class several times already that when I was in high school, I took a speed reading class, and you put this book on this little machine, and the bar of light went down, and you stayed with that light. Then you took a test to see how much you could uh, get from what you've read, and the more you did that, the faster that light was going down, and I got to a point where I could read real fast. I can go through books pretty quickly. You don't do that with the Bible. (laughs) You don't do that with the Bible, and every single word is important. So you read it thoroughly. You read it slowly. You're going to be asking yourselves the the simple questions, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, the how, as you're reading a passage. You're going to think about the telescopic view. How does this passage, how does this book fit in the whole picture of the Bible? Where's Jesus in all of this? Then you're going to look at it microscopically. You're going to look at a real small, what does this do within this chapter? What's it do within this book as you kind of look at some of those things? Now, we've been talking about, uh, as you look at the Bible, you're going to look at some things that are emphasized. Uh, John chapter 20 is a great example. He tells us that the seven miracles that are written in the book of John are written to give us faith in Jesus that we may believe. He, so those are emphasized. You look for things that are emphasized. 
You look for things that are repeated, repeated words, repeated phrases, or threads that connect one book to another book. You look for things that are like, things that are unlike, opposites. You start noticing things like that. Then you look for yourself in the passage, and you try to, as we have been doing on Fridays, talking about the prodigal son, you put yourself in the shoes of that prodigal, and then you think about what he went through and how it helped you. Then just real recently, we we really emphasize that the Bible is to be read objectively, not subjectively. Uh, The idea when we think about objectively is that God wrote it for a meaning. It has a purpose. Subjective means it's whatever I get out of it, however I feel. And when we approach the Bible through my own feelings, my own experiences, two people may read the same thing and get two different ideas. I believe God has one central idea. It's for all people for all time. So when we read our Bible, don't just read your favorite passages. Uh, We love our favorite passages. But by doing that, you're limiting yourself. You're not getting a total picture of the Bible. When you read, don't read words into the text. Sometimes some of us have some favorite things that we've believed through the years. And when you look at the text, those words are not always there. We've just (laughs) thought they were there. Don't distort the text. Don't don't take it out of context as you just kind of want this to fit everything. Uh, don't misunderstand the passage. You know, a great example of that is Matthew 7 where Jesus says, Judge not lest you be judged. There's a lot of people think that's the end of the Bible. He goes on in that same section to talk about judging. So judging itself is not wrong. And you can take a passage, lift it up, and I can believe some things that's really, that's not what the passage is all about. And then we've got to be careful we don't let current culture color how we see the Bible. Those are all things that kind of influence and affect us. And, and that's kind of where we've been so far. Now, we've got layers and layers and layers still to go in this class as we want to get deeper and deeper into how I can study the Bible. But those are just some very uh, introductory things we've talked about. And a person needs to be comfortable with the Bible. One of the first things we've said in our class is you need to get a Bible that you that you like. You need a good translation. You need to get one that's readable. You need to get one that you're going to make user-friendly. You can underline in it or you can write things in it because this is your Bible. And your Bible is what's going to connect you to Jesus. So you need to have something that's like that. Some rich, rich stuff. And uh, Roger, every once in a while, you and I are both reminded that in a lot of ways, uh, we, we've got a, a relatively easy contribution here to make. We study and we present this material. We're thankful for a number of people behind the scenes who capture this, make it look good, preserve it, post it, share it online. And, and so as a result of that hard work, if you are not a part of Roger's ongoing class, or even if you are, these are captured on our website. They're prominent right there at the top. Uh, just look for how to study the Bible. You can go back and not only watch these videos, but Roger, you've posted your uh, PDFs of the class material. People can follow along uh, from anywhere in the world. And we're really, really thankful for that. I love this approach because it not only teaches the Bible, but it shows, right? It's one thing for us to say, to remind ourselves and each other, we need to read the Bible. We need to get more proficient at the Bible. But exercises like this uh, 
show us how, right? And so I figured here in the middle of the week, maybe if we took our simple reading, it's just seven verses today from Psalm 11, and we plug it into these basic frameworks you've given to us. What I'll do, if it's okay with you, I'll just read the seven verses of Psalm 11, and then I'd love to start with those three words you gave us at the the beginning of your introduction, observation, interpretation, application. So let me start with the text here. Psalm 11, it is labeled as, to the choir master of David. Verse 1, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds the upright shall behold his face. All right, Roger. Observation number one, what do you see? Well, one of the first things we got to get away from is what a lot of us grew up hearing people say in Bible classes, well, it means what it says and says what it means. <laughs> and Moving on to Psalm 12. <laughs> that's right. And, and uh, you know, you sit in a, in a class like that and somebody says that and you think, I don't see it. I don't know what it means, but you're too afraid to say something. And, and that, that is very bothersome there. So we, we begin, first of all, with a 32,000-foot view. You always do that of the passage. Start telescopically, then you zoom in. So this is found in the book of Psalms, wisdom literature. And the Psalms is a portion of of literature or genre, we might say, that is poetic. That tells us some things right there. Uh, You know, we we have different kinds of music, and that tells you what kind of music you're going to listen to. If you go to... uh, Keith Urban concert, you're going to hear country because that's what he is, okay? And so we begin by understanding this portion of Scripture is found in wisdom literature. It is poetry. And so some of the language is not literal. He's just using references as poetic language would do. Second thing we would notice is this is David talking. He's talking about the Lord. And so we don't have God speaking in here, but we have David speaking about the Lord. Two repeated words over and over in this section. First of all is the Lord. He says the Lord in verse 1, 4, 5, and 7. And then at the latter part of the section, the word righteous or righteousness. That's, that's repeated over and over. And so you come to this passage I know it's figurative language. I know it's poetic language. And I'm seeing that the emphasis is on Lord and it's on righteousness. From that, I start getting my shovel and digging a little deeper. All right. So that's what I see. Observation. 
You move from there to interpretation. What's it mean? Okay, so David begins this chapter by saying, "In the Lord I take refuge." And you know, if you didn't know what that word meant, you'd look up the word refuge. You might run it through different places in Psalms. It's a common expression in Psalms. It's the idea of safety. Uh, he's saying, "In God I I go to for my protection." Uh, the very next expression, uh, flee as a bird, uh, flee as a bird to your mountain. Now, David's not saying he's a bird, but, <laughs> but the, it, it, he's running like a bird up, up to the mountain there. And then verse two tells us why. The wicked are there. They're bending the bow. They have the arrow upon the string. It, it, it's like I'm in a war and I look up on the hill and there's an archer pointed right at me with his bow and arrow. I'm in trouble. That's, that's the idea here. And so he asks this question in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can I do when I've got an enemy pointing an arrow right at me? What can I do? Well, it goes back to verse 1, in the Lord I take my refuge. Then from verse 4 on, he talks about the Lord, where the Lord is. The Lord is in his holy temple. See, the Lord's not in the mountain. The Lord's not with this archer. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It's like no matter what happens, God is still there. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. So we stop there. And so we, we, we start putting these together like puzzle pieces. Here's David, and he sees this enemy. The enemy is like an archer with an arrow at him. He now takes us to a bigger picture. It's more than this guy doesn't like me or this guy's against me. He now realizes this may well be a test of the Lord. What am I going to do? Am I going to run screaming? Am I going to get angry? Or am I going to go to the Lord for my help? So this is a test. And he realizes that God has no uh, pleasure with violence or hatred. And upon the wicked, verse 6, he will rain snares, fire and brimstone. We think about Sodom and Gomorrah with that expression. Burning wind will be the portion of their cup. And so David realizes by going to the Lord that this enemy is in the wrong place. David doesn't want to be among the enemy. David wants to be with the Lord. And this chapter ends, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. And so David here, faced with this problem, realizes if I keep doing what's right, I'm going to be standing with the Lord. You know, I've mentioned before, I really enjoy hiking. And it sure does seem to me like a lot of these psalms are like a trail, where basically you come to the same overlooks or switchbacks uh, on a very similar journey. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that because it, it so mirrors the journey that all disciples in the 21st century have to go on periodically. Maybe you feel like you're going on this journey just about every day. Let, let me paint the journey that I see here. And like I said, we could replicate psalm after psalm after psalm. I would begin with David in verse 1, I'm barely hanging on. 
That, that, that seems to be what David is communicating here. Why? Well, life is tough because of the people around me. What can I do? I'm barely hanging on, and there are difficult people all around me. But it reminds David of the firm foundation. The Lord is in his holy temple. I'm reminded of the fact that we are all accountable to him. None of this is escaping his notice. Uh, He knows exactly where I am, what I'm going through. He knows exactly what those who are making life difficult for me are doing. I'm reminded then if that is exactly the the case, and we're all accountable. Well, sin, even though it might make me feel powerful or important or uh, may yield some pleasures in the moment, sin is not all it's cracked up to be. Therefore, if the Lord is righteous, I want to be righteous. I want to be upright because... Even though, verse 1, I'm barely hanging on and life is tough, I believe the promise that the upright shall behold his face. It is a simple, emotional journey that so many of the Psalms take us on. So, Roger, we have observed, we've done a little bit of interpreting, asking the question, what it means, your third key word was application. What do I do with this? Absolutely. And I think this psalm is just perfect for our times. I mean, we don't have an archer standing on the hill with an arrow pointed at us, but we have a pandemic all around us. You may have a toxic co-worker. You may have somebody in the family that's giving you a lot of hard times. And we just feel like, what can I do? The, the problem is greater than I am, and here I am. But the way this psalm is written, it's hopeful. It's encouraging. It's almost as if David is telling this himself to himself that, you know, I'm, I'm about at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. Oh, yes, God. God is in this temple. God has always been in this temple. And God's going to take care of this. This could be a test of mine. And God's going to see if I'm going to be righteous through this trying time. Am I going to say unrighteous words? Am I going to make unrighteous choices? Am I going to be someone who's unrighteous or am I going to be righteous? God loves the righteous. The righteous will see his face. I must be righteous. That's what I get out of this. And so how fitting it is when in our troublesome times today, we just see this is what I need to hear. This is what I need to be reminded of. This is something that's helpful for me. It's encouraging for me that it doesn't matter what storm clouds are around me. It doesn't matter how bad things may be. God is still in this temple. God is still in charge. And God is looking upon me. He knows. He sees. I must be righteous. How amazing that something written 3,000 years ago could be such comfort to us here in the middle of February 2022 on the other side of the world. That is remarkable, and it is not a coincidence. It is a manifestation of the wisdom 
of God. Now, Roger, let me ask you one more question, because when you were rehearsing where you've been in your class, you highlighted a question, where is Jesus? And I think that's such a a powerful question to ask. That's what we have been doing in our building blocks track of studies on Sundays, going through the Old Testament, looking for shadows of Jesus. And when we read scripture with those lenses, so much just comes alive in in living color. So where is Jesus in Psalm 11? I think particularly he's in verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. And there's not a better example of righteousness than Jesus Christ. And as he began this, in the Lord I take refuge. Was it not Jesus who said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He did not say, stay away, get well, get your act together, then you can come. Come to me, broken as you are, because I will help you. And so all through this, I see Jesus. And all through this, we we can put New Testament passages to these verses. Uh, The idea that the Lord is in his temple and God is there. God is seen. God loves us. This is all running through this short, short passage, but powerful as it's written. Just seven verses, but we hope that by reading it together, thinking through it, observing, interpreting, applying, and ultimately using it to see more clearly the face of Jesus Christ, you have been encouraged today. Again, a reminder, uh, each Lord's Day, Roger is teaching this class, I believe, through the end of the month of March, Lord willing. And as he said, he's got more layers to add to this. Uh, we would encourage you to use this good material. Use those PDF handouts to deepen your abilities, sharpen your skills at uh, at studying God's Word, not because it's something just to check off on a to-do list, but because these are the words of life. This is what we need here in the middle of a busy, maybe a hectic week. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for walking us through what you've been studying and applying it to our daily Bible reading. If you haven't been reading along with us, you can see our daily Bible reading calendar at charlestownroad.org. We read from the Psalms on Sundays and Wednesdays, Proverbs on Saturdays, and on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we read one chapter from the Old Testament one chapter from the new. We would love to have you read along with us. Thanks for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We hope that our exercise has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for this journey. We would love to see you this Sunday, the best day of the week, to have you come and grow with us. 